Saying low, Apple Music. We are focusing on mental health awareness right now. Hopefully we are. I, I mean, I definitely am. And we are here at Apple. This, for me personally, is a very positive evolution that has been informed by the conversation changing over time and how artists are embracing their own vulnerabilities and not only presenting them through their music as they have done throughout the history of music, but are starting to have more dialogue around life and around what inspires the music and therefore inspiring the listener even more. You know, and that's really what we're trying to do is inspire people to be honest with themselves and with others, to communicate and find a way through by using some of the tools that we know work and applying some of the tools that work for every individual person. It's such a complicated conversation, but we only untangle it by having it. And that brings myself and James Blake together to have just that. When I first met James Blake, we were not there. I was not there. He was not there. And so we just talked about music. We nerded out. But over time, as we've gotten to know each other and become friends, it is a topic that not only means something to each of us individually, as people who at times struggle with our mental health, but also we are very dedicated to the idea of having this conversation for all the reasons I mentioned before. Hopefully you will listen to it and take something from it. We break out of the circle of conversation a few times to remind people that this is really just two individuals talking about our experiences. But I say that only to say that we do so in the hope that you're able to listen to this, enjoy it, and maybe there are some universal themes in there or some observations that resonate. Or maybe you know someone who's going through something and it will help you even just slightly better understand what they're going through to some degree. It's not an easy conversation to have one on none, which is what this is. So let's get into a one-on-one. Myself and James Blake, right here on the interview series. World Mental Health Day is a day that occurs now. It's on the calendar and it's uh, it exists for those that need it, but also those that don't know they need it, those that perhaps are afraid to admit that they need it. Um, it gives us all a chance to acknowledge something that, my gosh, I think even when we met for the first time, we wouldn't have even had a conversation like this. Oh, n- never. I mean, w- was that nine years ago? Ten, yeah. Eight years ago? Yeah, something years? like yeah. that. I wasn't... Um, I mean, to be fair to my my then self, uh, probably a lot of my stuff hadn't really risen to the surface by that point. But I think I was on my way. And I... At n- not at all did I have the vocabulary, re- really, to talk about it. Even if we had, I don't know if anyone would have printed it distributed it, broadcast it, not without making a statement of some description. It would have been a moment. And I think we've come a long way and art has definitely helped. And I I think as artists, something has clicked in the last, hard to round it up, round it down. So we'll just say five years to keep it safe. In the last half a decade or so, I feel like, certainly for me as someone who has spoken to artists for as long as I can remember, the conversation shifted and a whole new drawer opened up and I felt like we were able to go and rifle through it. I never felt that was possible before. Have you felt that from the artist side of things? Yeah, and you know, credit to you for, for having those conversations with artists as well because I think even though you're not on the industry side, so to speak, you are somebody who, you know, when we make albums and we start promoting them, that we end up talking to and and I think to have those conversations as part of the whole process is is actually quite um important but um yeah I've I've definitely noticed that and uh I've tried to talk about mental health um and my own mental health mostly uh in in my records for a while you know for at least the last three records I mean maybe all of them 
Um, like all of them in a strange way. I think even though I hadn't written to the surface, you said you were on your way. On that first project, you can definitely hear the searches on. Mm -hmm. I think the first record feels like a very fragmented attempt at, um, at discussing and, and a very tentative attempt at, at discussing stuff because I think I, I was just too afraid to put it in plain English, to be honest. Um, and that's, you know, but I also maybe didn't have the vocabulary to put it in plain English either. Well, it's a bit of chicken and egg that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing is that a lot of musicians, uh, you know, I, I say this a lot, but our, our first language very often is music. Um, and then it's whatever our native tongue is. And I think we're not encouraged necessarily to actually speak on mental health or what we're actually feeling. I think it's, if we do, then, um, the likelihood is that it will make it uncomfortable for somebody around us, whether it's a manager or an agent or a label or whatever, because, you know, at a certain point in our careers, a lot of the time it can grind us to a halt and stop us from actually making everybody money. Oh, it's a powerful observation. There's a lot to untangle. First of all, before we do, I also wanted to return the observation or comment, uh, compliment that you have been instrumental, I think, along with some of your peers at pushing this conversation forward and we're one of the first artists i remember within that time period to come out there and take it into conversation and it was refreshing when you did for someone like me right. who you know who suffered myself throughout my life and so when i got a chance to talk to artists like yourself about it i'd been sort of waiting and, and i'd been scared because mm -hmm. i had heard it in the records my whole life mm -hmm. but never knew how to get to that part of the conversation for some of the reasons you mentioned which mm -hmm. is bad for business mm -hmm. and it, it, there's even been a couple of times before it became an artist-led conversation artists opened the door and said you ride with me or you don't mm -hmm. where we did touch on it and then after the fact it was like can we scale that part down right. in the edit right for the reasons that you said i think just people are afraid it's a turn off yeah and also you know you're um you know if you're on the radio you know, you've got to be, uh, and now we've got to do And we've got to know it's coming in. And it's going to be James Black. And Is this gotta... the time when I dropped the one and only? <laughs> I mean, I, I had to try yeah. to get one into a deeper, meaningful yeah, conversation. I found my way and I there appreciate that. No, 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 it's perfect. Perfect timing. Um, and you've, you know, you just got to be up the whole time. And, and no one's, you know, you do morning show, whatever it is. You know, you can't come on there and be like, yeah, so. Um, I'm struggling. I've got anxiety today because, yeah. um, and I'm not really sure what it's about. It's generalized. Um, I mean, you know, did the viewing figures, what, <laughs> what happens to the viewing figures? Right. Um, I don't know if, you know, I mean, obviously that's kind of being a bit tongue in cheek because no one's going to just start discussing it right there and then. But you, d you don't have, you know, in a lot of cases like that, whether it's, whether it's your job or many people's jobs, there isn't a... Uh, or there hasn't been until recently, a um, and some for some people there still isn't a protocol for just dialing it down and not having to just be on yeah. the whole time. Yeah, um, you've <laughs> just kind of and and so the chasm between the person that you're presenting as your personality to the public and the person you really are when you the mic is off and you go home and and you got to deal with your own problems becomes grander and grander and it's just like for me the 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 thing was well the uh difference between my 
musical, cool, like doing loads of collabs and like producing blah, 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 and like doing dubstep, you know, do you know what I mean? It's like electronic music and like good reviews and like all that stuff. And me just like spiraling. Bottoming out. Yeah. And just like not, not at all representing, you know, actually not being that great to talk to <laughs> at the time and like not really having anything to say and like f just having loads of social anxiety and but then going on stage and just being the the, the coolest version of myself possible well there's let's just focus on the trade then for a second because that's what you're really discussing is you're talking about the idea you know brandy carlisle said this to me the other day and it really hit home because i never thought of it this way was that she realized at a certain point that her name wasn't her name anymore in that regard that the Brandy Carlisle that had been raised and kind of had a childhood and made the most of it and got through the other side to some degree into adulthood now found herself as a name that belonged to everybody else in some regard. And how do I make peace with, and this is in her brilliant book, how do I make peace with the Brandy Carlisle you want me to be versus the one that was given to me at birth that was just handed to me as a name. And I think that that idea of like, especially as you pointed out so beautifully, that the Balance between who you are when you're on and who you get to be when you're off is far harder to maintain when you're on all the time. Social media trading content is a reason to always be on. You can be on the whole time. And you're rewarded financially for that uh, in, in a lot of cases. And, and I think if you, it's Pavlovian. You know, it's like the more, the more uh, you get the treat, the more you return to that behavior and... I think the the answer for me um, was to decide that I was okay with not getting the treat and that I would decide to um, stop pretending that I was like, you know, whatever part of me it, it was that was saying, okay, I need to appear this way um, to be as perfect um, as, you know, the kids at school thought I wasn't, you know, or... I'm I'm gonna be cooler than I you know whatever I've constructed this identity. Let me just yes. let me just play it yes. perfectly. Yes, I'm gonna play it perfectly. And so in the end, to decide to drop that completely and to just be honest about how I feel at all times with everyone, um, even if I'm on a doing an interview, even if I'm, I mean, because most of the time I'm just making jokes anyway. But like if I am actually being serious about mental health or I'm actually talking about how I feel, then I'm just going to do it honestly. And actually, since I decided that, my life has got better and better and better. And it, it has not ever turned anyone away in the way that I feared that it would. Um, not in not in person, not in my, in my private life or my public life. I'm so glad to hear that. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that I think, and by the way, this is that moment when perhaps one or two of you feeling a bit uncomfortable because you're like or listening and thinking well i don't understand that trait so i don't know i don't know what the pavlov's dog comparison is because it doesn't apply to me but i'm here to point out that it does yeah because james's treat is no different to the treat you get by presenting yourself on social media or creating that construction so it, it's all relative it and can be something just as simple as <clears throat> when you're vulnerable somebody withdrawing their love when you're completely authentic somebody withdrawing their their praise or their love or their um their endorsement of you and then you never do it again um that is something that we can do regardless of whether it's in a professional sense or in a, in a private when did you start 
to realize in your life, even before you became an artist and someone that people knew Mm -hmm. outside of the person you were before that, when did you start to realize that there are some things that are not, I'm not processing in a way that perhaps some of my peers are, or at least pretending to, and and Mm -hmm. I feel things in a different way, and there's depth to how I'm going through my life here that I don't truly understand. So I, I first started to feel that probably when I was about, 14 or 15 where I like I was just spilling over like I I just couldn't there was there was no I seemed to have no outlet even though I did music I just I couldn't I like things would affect me and I'd look around and other people were just fine and I just didn't really understand why um and you know you develop your outlets and it's funny that the misconception as well is that music is a total outlet it's not like you make a song about the thing you're upset about and then you feel good for about half an hour and when somebody tells you oh i love the song you made you go oh thanks it reminds me of all the things i just talked about which i would rather not be reminded of and then you're back to where you were and there's a little bit of you know relief relief from that but but really the only actual way to 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 deal with it is to talk about it do the work and to do the work on it and to whether it's therapy or if it's talking to your friend or just talking to somebody who understands or just feeling except making changes in your life, whatever it is, they are the real sort of uh, outlets. And I think that's part of why it's been so hard for us to, as a species, mm-hmm. <laughs> to lean into this conversation because we look for a vaccine for everything, you know? <laughs> yeah. And by that, I'm not just trying to be, you know, time stamp that mm-hmm. i'm genuinely serious we look for some kind of solution that we can ultimately apply yeah yes yeah. exactly and it's such a unique experience like those outlets you talk about the combination the math is different for everybody mm-hmm. some people might not be music some people might not be therapy it might be exercise mm-hmm. and by the way we find ourselves in distractions too that's that's the other thing is i think early on in life when we don't realize and or want to do the work because no one told us it's going to take work and it is there is no other way to describe it it is genuinely genuinely by definition work yes if it feels like a like i took hard about, cerebral emotional I took like three work. years out to do, to basically do that and i'm very fortunate that i was in a financial position where i could actually stop working and just go and figure it all out but it took me yeah quite a long time and the other thing is i think mental health has become somewhat of a catchphrase in a way um you know people talk about oh you know i'm taking a, a, a mental health day or the you know on twitter it's like protect your protect your boundaries protect your mental health and it's like i do see a lot of people talking about mental health, but then just like trolling people and piling onto people on Twitter and be, you know, just like not practicing at all what that little catchphrase is supposed to preach. Um, you know, you can, you can say you're, you're serious about mental health, but if, if you're letting all of the outside stimuli in through Instagram, through Twitter, through all these things. You're exposing yourself. You're exposing yourself to the point where you're not going to be able to deal with that. No therapist is going to be able to stop you from being triggered by uh, somebody who's, uh, you know, who you're comparing yourself to or stop you from being able to, you know, for example, 
all of the things, you know, the way, you know, Jamila talks a lot about um, eating disorder, uh, you know, eating disorder culture and, and the kind of toxic Instagram influencing stuff. And also talks about how you've just got to block those people without actually putting some kind of plate, like some actual defenses in place. It's very difficult for us to actually do that because there are so many people online talking about mental health, but but actually just making it so much worse for us. And they're making it harder for themselves. I, I like to believe that there are people, including myself, on a weekday when I'm frustrated by something or I catch myself just flippantly responding to something I see on a social media feed or I find myself exhibiting my frustration through someone's life vicariously, right? right. Learn a behavior mm-hmm. that you take with you from, from long ago and you carry it on, mm-hmm. you know? It's a defense mechanism. And I, and I find that I need to limit my exposure to allow myself to strengthen my resolve and I'm saying this for everybody too, to, to, to not fall down that hole. Because it's not just what it, how it affects you when you expose yourself to it. It's how it affects you when you are indulging in it. Mm-hmm. It's bad for you. I do want to um, clarify that I wasn't putting the blame on, the, on, on someone who is being exposed to that kind of like toxicity. Yeah. Uh, and that they're not you know, doing enough to protect themselves. I'm, ta- I'm actually... I'm blaming the people who are being being toxic. And I'm saying that there are times when all of us can still be toxic and yeah. we have to yes. limit our actual exposure to the point where we start to look at this from a human point of view uh-huh. and not in that same factory. The fucking technology is is just, it's not designed to do that, but it does. Mm. You know, when we stare at that screen long enough and you're scrolling through Twitter long enough and the nature of Twitter is that people talk to each other like they're not humans. Um, they yeah. talk to each other like they are, you know, like they uh, di- sort of disembody um, public figures. They disembody each other um, because it's easy to. Um, and also you have been quite literally uh, neuro-programmed by the technology to to lack empathy in that moment. So, of course, you're going to write some shit that isn't you. And really, how many conversations do you have online that are the same in person? Yeah. I've, I've, I've never, ever been spoken to no. or spoken to someone or had a group conversation like the ones that I see on Twitter. We ever. used to joke about ever. this on, with, you know, on social media conversations. We used to joke about, I mean, it's the Jay and Silent Bob thing. If you knock yeah. on the door and there are a bunch of preteens. Right. You know, it's like yeah. that anonymity allows you this kind of, and, and this is a, you know, this, this has been well trodden and talked about, but it's raised it. It's mental health day. It's important to remind things as well as trying to mine for new territory. At the end of the day, you know, that anonymity, it gives you this armor to mm-hmm. be able to go out there. And, and as I said, you know, work through your frustration at the expense of others. That's unfortunately a part of how we are. I mean, that's what's happening at the moment. I think why so many people are suffering uh, when they use Twitter, when they, I mean, Instagram's much less, uh, like that I think but there's still a lot of that um, I think the problem with Twitter is that you say something and it can be shared yeah it's into, perpetual. To, to infinity yeah um, and there's n- and there's no ring fencing of, of how far that message can go so essentially it can travel so far that the original context um, is lost and people are just commenting commenting as if you'd said it about to to them or about them I mean it's 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 um, a flawed, inherently flawed system of communication, but 
like I think social media, we have to talk about, like if you're going to talk about mental health, you just got to talk about the fact that social media is massively exacerbating it for people. And I know that's, that is not, that sure. I know that's not a controversial statement anymore, but you know, if you really, um, if you're serious about like feeling better, mm. then think honestly, the thing that did it for me is getting away from my phone. Like it's, it changes your life. And um, for a lot of the people listening to this, they may have never had a time in their life where they didn't have a phone. When you uh, came through that three years, which is a period of time, it's not a solution. It's a period of time yeah. that puts you on a path. It was a start, to, honestly. Exactly. Yeah, totally. it, it, and I agree. I mean, I you know, this is the point to be completely transparent, but I talk about this in passing with artists all the time. You know, I'm, I'm in therapy. I love therapy. Mm -hmm. Me I, too. Without it, I, I feel like I'm you know, constantly trying to put bandages myself on things like, you know, yeah. self-bandage my skin. I need someone to help me do that yeah, every totally, week, yeah. you know. It's a good analogy. It's, it's not any it's not any more shameful than going to a doctor for a broken leg. Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, I, I, I love that. And what, what I love about it is a, a successful session for me, a successful opportunity for me to talk to somebody. Um, and by the way, you made a really good point before about the financial ability to be able to do that. You know, depending on who you go and see, mm -hmm. they charge a pretty penny for this for this yeah. luxury. Really, it's yeah. a luxury of the mind. Therapy is is unfortunately in this at this point a luxury. A luxury of the mind. And, and, you know, I would love to see that change. But 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 it could be that you just you know you open up to your friendships and your relationships in a more sort of as you said at the beginning a more meaningful way. Anything, whatever you can do, write it down, jot it down. Whatever you can do to create space. Now I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of space. Everything we've talked about thus far, whether it's pre-existing trauma, frustrations, things you haven't processed in your life, right through to social media is taking up space. And we keep adding and adding and adding and adding. There we have a finite amount of space. Yeah, I mean, I wrote about this on the record, but the the um not to, you know, not to plug. Um did you, but, just, did you yeah. just I just use that. Just I just use mental one. health as a segue into my into so the promotion sorry, of my album. <laughs> <laughs> This yeah. guy's a monster. There's yeah. just no way he won't work it in. You know what I mean? As long as I've known him. It's un unbelievable. No, I will. I'm, I'm, I'm shameless. Um, so uh, anyway. You wrote about this on I wrote the album? Little, I wrote a little song about this. Can we talk a little bit about it's it? It's called Say What You Will. Okay. Um, no, but it's, anyway, that song talks about the uh, comparison that, you know, I've certainly had this. I mean, we're seeing it with some public figures right now, you know can't stop comparing it ourselves to somebody else and it can have an impact on the music it can have an impact on our lives it can make us anxious angry it can make us resentful bitter um and you know i don't really know an artist that hasn't had a bit of that um about someone who is seems to always be just killing them at just that one thing or whatever that's where instagram is yes no, Instagram's the king of that. Peak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Peak anxiety creator. Absolutely, yeah. You know, one spare 10 minutes in a casual scroll and FML all day. Yeah, yeah. Like, I had it today. Yeah. I am very happy with my life. Yeah. And yet I'm scrolling and I just had one post too many and I'm like, yeah. what am I doing with my fucking life? Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, totally. No, no, I, I, honestly, I, we all have it. And, you know, I think that's what makes my song so relatable. <laughs> I was gonna drop Where's one. The button? I was gonna drop one. I need a fucking button, man. No, no, no. I, got I need buttons. a bomb no, button. I got the buttons. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're in control. You're right. It's not my show. 
it's not your show, mate. I'll sit down. I'll be the, humble. That can be... <laughs> The competitive nature of what you're talking about is a big part of what drives the artistic spirit in the beginning. I'm sorry. I've seen it over and over and over and yeah. over and over and over again. You need to have a little bit of prove yourself yeah. in the mix. It's good to an extent, but it's ruined a lot of songs for me, Like as in my own songs. I've, I've been trying to write like someone else, just like, oh, I wish I could write a song as good as this person. And for like a year, just writing bull yeah, because it doesn't sound like me. Yeah. And it's not authentic because I'm trying to, you know, trying to, I mean, I'm never going to be that, but I'm never going to have that essence or resonance. It's just, it's, I'm, I have my own resonance. I have my own thing. And actually building confidence in my own resonance, in my own thing and what I can do and, and what, you know, it's like, I know a lot of people might listen to it. Well, we've done well, so there's no, why would you not? But it's like, we're all... I think a lot of us struggle with that, who you might not think. Um, and I know in, especially in America, there's there's certainly a culture of like just going out and owning it and being really confident and being, you know, whatever. But I'm not, that's not my personality. Like I'd rather just, I, I, or I, I wouldn't be able to do that authentically. Mm. I'd rather just be like, you know, I, I do have a bunch of weaknesses and I, I do. That's okay. I do though. sometimes compare myself and, and they do, and that that does kind of interfere with my music sometimes, and you know it sets me back and doesn't, you know. But in that pure honesty, I think I find a way through mm. to make the music I want to make. So to do that, and anything that we're talking about here requires discipline. Whether it's the work you got to do to figure it out, or self work, self awareness trying to create a greater awareness. Right now, I'm really focusing on my tone, how I say things. Really interesting part of my process at the moment. It's like, you know, what I want to say sometimes doesn't translate because my tone is off because my energy is peaky and my my words are right, my energy is peaky. So I'm uh, trying to like create a connection. Interesting just sort of connecting. Of... You're connecting the the intent to how you're saying something because you're a radio DJ. So you've got to say everything. You've been, you've I've just, surely... I've, I've listened to myself for so long, you, I've forgotten what I sound like. No, but it's, surely it's Pavlov again going, okay, be upbeat, be be like in your face, be be exciting. Mm. But it's like sometimes you want to say something and it's not actually upbeat or exciting and you've, you've got to like... <laughs> well, here, herein lies the question which I was asked, do you want to make a statement or do you want to be heard? There's a difference, right? right? There's right. a difference. And in many respects, that, that adds up to what you're saying, which is like... Yeah you would be making a statement by pretending to do something that wasn't entirely authentic to yourself, but you have a better shot of being heard mm -hmm. when you are truthful to what it is that you're saying. That is incredibly profound and true. And that's, uh, yeah, I, I think as long as I continue to, to operate that way, I, I think I'm at my best and, and, and I think we're all at our best to that's be honest, because that's the only reason I'm saying it. This isn't to talk about me, but it's to say, yeah, this is, my experience and and i'm sure um it goes i think across the board yeah this is a the second and important reminder in this conversation that this isn't a sort of artist only mm -hmm. landscape that often i'm in yeah it's not james blake day it's not james blake day although that's a good idea uh it's it really is a conversation about how we all kind of travel through mm -hmm. our life looking for the hints that present themselves that there's something to untangle and uncover. And I think we do, we do a very good job of distracting ourselves from that. Yeah. 
And I think that it, the, the energy of the system, I think, um, we life, live in a society. Yeah, let's call it lifestyle. Lifestyle is designed in a lot of parts of the planet to to do that, to mm -hmm. sort of say, hey, everything is good over here, everything's good over there. But there are sad days. What do you do with the sad days now that you better understand them? You know what? I, all, I'd quite like to start with what I do with the happy days because I think the, firstly, not that I'm insecure about this fact, but the the slight misconception is that I'm always sad because I make quite sad music. Um, I just quite to, just like to clarify that it's actually a forty percent happiness ratio. Uh, to yeah, it's from the guy who wrote "Friends That Break Your Heart" and "Famous Last Words." <laughs> these, these are his big pop singles, by the way, everybody from his album. He's fifty percent. I'll say fifty percent. Um, no, uh, you know, like I think the uh, the th the problem I had when I first started investigating all this stuff was that you know if I had a good day, then I would assume immediately it would be followed by a bad one right. um because you know you can't have so many in a row and then something terrible not happen and i believed it so much that i would create a bad day a sad day i think it's a difference oh, it's, oh a bad okay i think it's a difference i think a bad day can be somebody else no, you're right somebody else's behavior has put you in a bad mood or set yes. you up a sad day is something all the more personal the te the tendency if i'm sad is to just sit in it and be like, oh, go and everyone go away. Like I just, I just want to be left to be sad. Uh, and I'm quite lucky that I have someone who just won't let me sit in it and remind me of the good things and remind me of positives and 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 actually work through it with. Um, but you know, even then, sometimes I'm just like, nah, I'm just going to be in this for a bit, and I don't want to be around anyone because I don't want to subject them to that. Um, but. I think, you know, it's forgiving yourself for just having that moment and, That's the answer, I think. and not, and not, you know, and, and even, even thanking the moment for, 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 and it's funny, a friend, someone, someone I, um, I listen to a lot. She's called Jenny Morton. Mm. Uh, she's an osteopath, but also just a kind of general expert on mental health and a lot of things. And we're going to do a, a series, um, about mental health. Uh, she, she said that gratitude is the most one of the most powerful um, kind of concepts um, in the sense that, for example, if you're triggered by something, which when I say triggered, that's almost become a buzzword as well, or it has, but, you know, I mean in the sense of you've become very anxious about something that doesn't necessarily seem like it's happening in the moment. It's just someone said something or something happened, something happened and you're instantly just in this kind of fear state, tightness in the chest, like whatever, shortness of breath, um, tense muscles, whatever. She said that gratitude, saying thank you for this reaction, but I don't need it, is, an, is a very powerful, has a very powerful effect on the body because what it essentially does is um, it's almost, it's like you've got love and then you've got gratitude. Um, gratitude kind of triumphing in a, in a rock paper scissors battle gratitude would triumph over fear um and so the 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 feeling dissipates it's an interesting uh way of attacking it well it also what it does i absolutely i love that and i think it also encourages um it's a it's a click of the fingers in, a, in an attempt to try to get back into the moment because the problem is that when 
I find myself in an anxious state, it's because I'm fearful of something that is out of my control. Yes. And so I am by very nature trying to control it. And my anxiety happens is at a peak when I have to acknowledge I can't control it. It's, uh, anxiety is synonymous with control. Yeah. It is almost yeah. in every case is about control. Be that's why we are obsessed so much about either the future, which is beyond our control, or the past, which is beyond our control. That's right. And the moment is very hard to stay in, which is why it's so painful when you're with somebody who's going through an anxiety attack or a panic attack or is really feeling in that very desperate place. It's, 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 and this is what we have to get better at trying to do is, is trying to speak the language of the moment mm -hmm. very hard. Yes. I've tried. I thought that, I, I mean, sometimes I feel like a total fraud having these conversations because I do my best to try and dial in and learn through the artistic spirit what it is to to come through these things and, and provide takeaways for people. But then there are times when I'm talking to my loved ones or my friends who are in a terrible place and mm -hmm. I'm totally tongue-tied and I oh, don't you want to made, find the words. You made a big mistake. That's why. It's because you listened to a bunch of... Songwriters. <laughs> I start quoting James Blake. And We're not just, therapists. I mean, the last time I quoted <laughs> We're not you, a it was a terrible idea. I mean, it was like, it was just awful. We got so, worse. Okay, so your wife's having a panic attack. You're just like, okay, I've been listening to, uh, you know, Kanye West's new record. I know exactly what to do. <laughs> okay, it's a different sound effect for that. <laughs> it's tough because you can be part of a conversation like this, which feels really wonderful and really great and totally rewarding for me to be able to sit here after all these years and have an open dialogue with you about mm -hmm. this and then be in the presence of something or someone that really needs actual factual mm -hmm. language, a translation of how to help through mm -hmm. and you can just feel completely helpless. Yeah. Um, I think the, you know, being with someone having a panic attack, I mean, it's actually an interesting thing to talk about something I've had to learn about um, myself and you know with with people around me and uh, I think potentially and I'm, look I'm I'm not a qualified psychologist neither of us are you know so we just take my word out. for a piece of fluff because sure. it's not worth anything but hopefully after 40 minutes of this conversation we're way past disclaimers yes um, <laughs> if you're still listening yeah. then you're just you're figuring out that we're figuring it out yes yeah my approach is to be there uh, and allow, not try and rationalize. Um, when I say my approach, this is the approach I, I want to have and the, mm. and the approach that I try and have. Mm. Um, rationalizing with the person and being like, oh, it's going to be okay. Like because of this, this and this and this doesn't help mm. um, generally. Not in the moment of panic. Mm. Um, what somebody needs at that moment is, um, and this is true of depression too, is just someone to hear, for you to hear them, sorry. Yeah. Um, just be present. Yeah, just be present and, and in the moment. And, um, you know, these things pass and people calm down and then you can have a conversation about it and, and then you can be a bit more rational and then you can, you know, uh, be supportive. But You know, equilibrium is a word. Let's just chuck that on the list of things. That's, and that's soon to be a, triggered in a mental health equilibrium yeah. trust me that's the yeah. next word for 2022 <laughs> right. um balance mm -hmm. right trying to strike a balance it's, it's not something that comes with the territory in your business no or mine. not at all it's not we're actively discouraged from being balanced in correct music. correct i mean just the nature of the hours in the job mm -hmm. it's not it's not a balanced life yeah um so 
how do how have you been able to take some control over your equilibrium and and create a lifestyle for yourself that allows you to be able to practice what you need to to stay balanced mm -hmm. and 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 build a discipline around that for yourself it's there's no one answer but there is a i think you have to create an ecosystem that includes diet mm -hmm. honestly um i think the ease of like the, the the ease of finding food that isn't healthy is is just too high. Um, oh yeah, and try, so, try quitting bread and then take a walk down any local high street, man. It's like they're laughing at you. Well, I mean, yeah, and there's there's so many things, but it's like lots of things in the last fifty years have been introduced into our diets that are not good for us. And however you come to this conclusion, it's there to to find. Um, it, a lot of food is, sh and a lot of food is going to make you feel. Sh and it's going to contribute to your mental health problems. Those reactions you're having, those allergies you're getting because certain, and you don't know what it is causing it, but you know it's releasing inflammation to your bloodstream that goes straight to your brain. You're, everything that we eat is is ultimately sit is representing how we feel at some point um, in the next day or two. So think about that. There are lots of ways you can, you know, I I'd say the the less inflammatory you can eat um and the simpler you can eat uh whatever that is within your diet and whatever works for you is is the best thing to do and actually just you know and whatever your relationship is with food you know it's going to be different for everyone but simple uh less if you can try you know there's lots of great information out there i'm not a nutritionist but basically it starts with food and then it start and and it doesn't have to be expensive either second thing is exercise which can be free big one um that honestly had changed my life in a, in a way that i wasn't i hadn't really given it a lot of thought or credit because i thought that it was just a case of like oh some endorphins after you work out no that is regulating your system, is regulating your lymph, is regulate, regulating your digestive system. It, re, it means that this food that you do eat actually goes in mm -hmm. uh, or is actually absorbed nutritionally. Like it, it's giving you, it's, it's burning off inflammation that comes from the sh that you do end up eating. It's burning off inflammation that comes from reactions to fear. Like your, you know, your fear response triggers, um, a release of inflammation mm. when you're when you're anxious your digestive system shuts down so you you are actually not a, because it it shuts down all the uh, extraneous processes the body doesn't need so essentially in all of these ways that i found myself living i was shutting off how i digest i wasn't exercising i was i was eating some like every day i was like letting people, you know, there was all sorts of situations in my life that I was letting continue that I was anxious about all the time. Drinking a lot, drinking a lot, like sugar 24-7. Run, 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 If run, you don't, run. like, it, like I was setting up the a situation. Run. You were just running. Yeah, I was just going, doing circles of like yeah. the the worst things you can do for your mental health. Being there. And then, and then I was surprised that I didn't feel very good in the morning. And it's like, we we do have control, even if... Like there are some, there are some things that are going to affect us forever, maybe. Um, but I do think when we diagnose ourselves as 
mentally ill or we diagnose ourselves in, in whatever way, um, we mustn't let that be a be a we mustn't let that be a prison ah, so or, true. or a definition of us that allows that that essentially stops us from investigating ways we could feel better. That is a powerful, powerful observation, I have to say. And it, and, and it's it's one of the first times I've it's been in a conversation like this that I've heard it, which is when we self-diagnose, when we assume that there is something that's fundamentally broken within us, we set ourselves an enormous wall to climb in order to find a solution. But the solutions are actually right there at ground level, right next to you, right there. And so you're right. It really is about acknowledging it sometimes in order to improve our capacity to process emotionally and mentally, we need to take just a simple look at our life's choices. And there's a lot of information out there. And obviously, um, you shouldn't be getting it primarily from me. Or me. Uh, another disclaimer. Um, but Number four, uh, and they'll take us off the air. <laughs> One more disclaimer, and this will actually be like yeah. a pointless conversation. Yeah. They'd be like, we can't have four yeah. disclaimers. It no. doesn't actually, yeah. it's legally binding somebody four should, disclaimers. Somebody should just do an edit of only the disclaimers and just like put, put that out as the interview. <laughs> That's going to be the trailer. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, of course, and as I'm saying, I'm, I'm not an expert, but. Uh, <laughs> but. And by the way, if you're listening to this, then neither, none of us are experts. We're just figuring this out. It's just like five of those. It's like yeah. coming this Monday. <laughs> People talk about that one important step, right? It's not even important. I said the word important now. Just one step, one simple step. I was very, very low last year at one point mm -hmm. in my life. Very low. I was falling back into really old thought patterns. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I was hitting right back down a bad road. Mm -hmm. And when I started therapy, my therapist said, and again, this is just my life. This is my experience. You know, have you ever tried yoga? I was like half-heartedly. He's like, just try it and just stop thinking of it as a big stretch and think of it as a breathing exercise. Right. It's not really about the physical side of it, right? You only get you only, it will only benefit if you learn it if you actually practice the breathing first and mm -hmm. then the physical side will come and, mm -hmm. in process. Mm -hmm. Cuz that's what we do. We go to yoga, we can't do the moves, we feel all clumsy and yeah. tight and can't do it and then we give up, right? But it's yeah, not about that. I would I would just look like a daddy long legs. Exactly, but yeah. but but that's fine if you look like a daddy long legs as long as you're breathing when you're supposed to. That's right. the thing that unlocks it, right? Yes. And that was my sort of introduction to the moment. And then it was like, oh, okay. I can find a way through my own thought pattern right. for 30 minutes or 45 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. And it and it was that was just my simple step. And from there everything started. And so I only say that as an example for me of um what you're saying, which is that, you know, we can too often we either self-diagnosed or a di or a diagnosed and the solutions that are presented sit on a shelf. Mm-hmm or on an advertisement with lots of disclaimers at the end. Usually they cost money. And they cost and, money. And actually a lot of them don't cost money. A lot of the a lot of the solutions to our problems don't cost money. Um, and, you know... Just I, take a look at how you're spending your time and take a look at what you're putting inside of you, to your point. Not just food, but also the space idea. Yeah. Take a look at what you're absorbing, how you're using your time. And if you actually just take a second to actually analyze it for a second, do an audit just for one day, one day audit yeah. how often you absorb things that are making you feel bad. Well, yeah. How, right? Yeah. The other thing is like um, I was talking to Jenny about um, like addictive patterns and uh, I was talking about my propensity to reach for my phone in any kind of anxious moment or whatever it is. And she said, when you next reach for your phone uh, or you next go to bite your nails, because I bite my nails, I'm fucking 32. Um <laughs> She's like, just have a look at the position that you're in. 
in your body. Have a look at your the tension in your muscles. Have a look at your does, does your chest feel tight? Does your mm. what's your posture? And I found that every time I did it, my neck, like my shoulders are a bit high. Mm, yeah, I'm kind of tense up here. Like my chest is tight, and I'm just kind of like like this, and like nothing supporting my neck. And I'm your just hands like, are a little bit. And she clawed. goes, yeah, and she's yeah. like, dial it back, return to a relaxed state when you notice it, and then see if you still want to pick up your phone. You don't. Wow. Because it's it's a it's a circuit, and when it gets completed, you it's like a what what she calls a um, I believe might be paraphrasing a. Um, punishment reward cycle you know and when you look at instagram you compare yourself to somebody that's punishment um <laughs> and you know the reward is the endorphin is the endorphin uh rush or whatever um what do they say when you it's i don't know probably endorphin hmm. um we're not doctors but it's yeah we're not doctors uh so everything i'm saying is bull <laughs> <laughs> um no, but she, but like you know, it's it's you complete the circuit, and then once you complete the circuit, it validates it for another go round, huh. and and that's the cycle, so, and the cycle continues. So I think if you know, I've been very very conscious recently of just okay, what's my yeah, am I relaxed? Well, because that's a that's a what you're doing is you're actually leaning into the micro experience, the experience you're having, and listening and. T- what I was saying before, doing a, a self audit of of mm-hmm. the things that we just accept as being normal. Like I had physical pain for years because I wasn't processing information properly, and my body was doing it, and I just lived with it. I thought that ache in my arm, that's normal now. Right. Nothing physical they can find wrong with me, so I guess I just live with that. No, you don't have to do that. You, I, well, you've obviously been living in England too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's fascinating to me that what you're saying, because I agree with you, you know, it's about trying to just be present and being aware and being self-aware and not as much as you can, especially when you feel yourself falling into that space. Yeah, and uh, disclaimer, I also don't want to sound preachy about any of this. I want to make sure that it comes across as, mm. I mean, maybe I, should, maybe I should have been tried harder when I was actually talking about it. No, you didn't. But, but I, I, I hope that it comes across as, just these have been my experiences these are the the ways i've actually addressed a lot of it for free um and tried to um protect myself and i am somebody who is super super easily overwhelmed and so if i can do it anyone can i agree um, in in those ways i'm talking about i'm the same james it's first of all we need to have conversations like this. Part of the reason we didn't in the past is because we were co- constantly creating disclaimers before we even opened our mouths and talked. True. If we have conversations like this, there's always going to be people that are going to feel like we're oversimplifying or perhaps we have a privilege to say this or that and they have every right to feel that way, but it creates a discourse and what it does is it raises awareness. Even the people who are using the term mental health and aren't living by the code every day are ultimately raising awareness in some capacity. Massively. It's opened, it's opened my whole life up in a way that it never was. I mean, I was I was an incredibly antisocial person. And uh, this kind of interview would have scared the shit out of me, to be honest. Yeah. I'd have been much more content just talking about the music. and But now, I mean, talking about music's all right. 
Yeah, his album's coming out very soon. You've got to check it out. It's great. Yes. It's got big hits on it. You're going to love Huge. it. A heartfelt thank you to James Blake for taking the time and being so open and so honest. Thank you very much for listening to it. And if you did, please add a comment or a rating. Make this part of your weekly ritual, checking out the conversations that we have because we love to have them. Take care.